Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. The podcast that's more 90s than saying, Alrighty then. Remember that's cool. My name's Ash Rose. I'm your host as we travel back once again to the decade that changed football forever. I haven't said that for a while, but it's very, very true. Um, this is the point where I give you a big woo-woo-woo warning. This is probably the longest time coming episode we've ever done. Um, for those who've been here from the start, the historians of Alive and Kicking will remember that our very, very first show, episode one, go back in the archives, um, way back, in fact, and listen to it. It was the first time we mentioned the fair word of Janino. Yep, Janino. And I'll tell you why we mentioned that, because as uh, long-time listeners will know, and actually we did it last week because we had a new person, but every time we had a new guest on the show, we used to do their football CV. Um, we've done it less in more recent times because we've sort of settled on a, a gabble of people that we uh, we talk to most uh, most episodes. But yeah, we did it with Stu last week. He was great. I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but Joel was, was on our first show, Mr. You know, part of the furniture here at Alive and Kicking. And he's player, Middlesbrough player of the 90s was, of course, Janino. So that's when we first mentioned and waxed lyrical about the little fella, mainly because Joe was on the show. I'm a massive Janino fan as well. Really loved him in that era. So at some point we knew we'd do a Janino episode. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is your Janino episode. So that is your warning. Don't turn off. It's still fun. It's Yes, it's very Borough-centric. Uh, we've, of course, got Joe on the show uh, to tell us even more why he loves Giannino. Um We've also got author Tom Flight, who's literally written the book on Middlesbrough, um, his new book that's that's just come out, that, that uh, sort of details the 1996-97 season, which Giannino was the star of perhaps not in the best possible way because obviously it was a season of ups and very much downs for Middlesbrough. So we go into all that. Brazil, the Umbro Cup. Yes, his time at the Riverside. But trust me, it's a good it's a good listen. And we finally get to do a show on Janino. And it's the second actually in our sort of player focused shows, which again, have been a long time coming. I think I've said that very early on that we want to do player ones and other themes have, have come up and we've never got quite got around to it. But this is our second one. So we're hopefully we'll be doing a few more in the in the coming episodes and coming weeks and months where we can solely focus on a player because we know there's there's endless ones we've done. We've only done Ian Wright and now Janino. So yeah, there will be definitely more of those to come. Um as I was saying about Stu last week, that that really that episode seemed to have gone down really well. So thank you to everyone who listened. Uh, thank you to Stu uh, for coming on. Um, I really enjoyed our chat that we had, where we sort of picked our squad for USA '94 for England if they had qualified, and a few of you got involved as well and picked uh, your squad. So thank you very much if you tweeted at us who you pick um, in your in your squad, and there was a few that we missed out on. And stuff, and, and something we did completely miss out on, and I'm gutted we did this because I'm a big fan of squad numbers, as you wouldn't be surprised by. Yeah, we didn't pick the squad numbers for for the for the, for the 23, although it was 22 uh, players that will be going to USA. So yeah, I'm really annoyed I didn't do that. I'm just trying to find who did because uh, I was quite annoyed that we forgot to do that. Um, was it Moth Eleven? 
possibly. Somebody tweeted us with the squad numbers, but whoever you are, thank you very much. But at the same time, damn you, because we we forgot to that. Um, do check out Stu's own podcast that he's just launched as well. Um, it's called The Soccer Shed. Uh, with a pal of his, um, I've just seen a picture actually, they literally recorded it from his shed. Fantastic, good stuff there. <laughs> um, yeah, check it out. It's, um, I think they, I, you know, it's a blend of new and old, which is great. So you get a flavour of what's going on in the current football world. And then I think a bit more of a nostalgic twist as well as you have you seen Stu knows his stuff so he'll definitely be back on here again soon as well to plug that and uh, maybe we'll do some sort of cohort with the soccer shed if you want to follow him by the way it's Stu's footy flash on uh, on Twitter I don't think I got that quite out of my words on last week's show but yeah make sure you give him a follow well I think we need to get to it I don't want to dilly dally anymore um on on this intro uh hope everyone is well I hope everyone is easing back into lock uh, oh yes say into lockdown out of lockdown now and uh, uh sort of applying the appropriate rules to wherever you are and keeping safe very much to, um you know this just hope everyone's doing okay so i hope we've given you some sort of respite on these few episodes and we continue to do so here on alive and kicking so enjoy the show yes we're talking janinio enjoy it Sit back and enjoy a nostalgic ride through the decade that truly changed the face of football. If the 90s are now retro, then it's time for a celebration. Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. Thank you for joining us once again here on Alive Kicking and with me today, two probably very happy Borough Boys because we're recording this on the 24th of June and in 2020 a big change just happened managerially at the top at Borough so we'll quickly talk about that before we get into the meat of today's sandwich. Firstly joining me, he's been here since episode one, since we first uttered the word Janinio. He's a social media mogul, Joe Young, how you doing buddy? I'm very well, I'm, yeah I'm very happy about this news although it's kind of like from one extreme of personality to another, I think, uh, going from Mr. Woodgate to uh, to uh, Mr. Warnock, but uh, needs must, and we need to stay up. And uh, I don't know what Jonathan Woodgate has been doing for three months, but I've heard the rumours. So that's all <laughs> I'm going to say. Well, we, we, we chatted extensively before about Jonathan Woodgate's um, extracurricular activities. Extracurricular activities, yeah. yeah. For us, so I don't think we should sort of dwell on them too much. But um, no, he's hey, gone now. He's, he's history. He's gone. He's finished. It's history, yeah, exactly. Um, but your preachers are converted here. I mean, there's no better man. He'll keep you the division, at least, Neil Warnock. And what he does next season, depending on if he stays, then you never know. He's a magician, that man. So I think you're in very, very safe hands. Um, so, yeah, so all good at the borough. Um, and Joe is not the... I, I warn you, I, I said this in my intro already. This is going to be a very borough-centric show, but I will try and be the neutral party and, and not... I try and rein these two in as much as I can. Um, joining us in jail today, somebody who's literally written a book on the 1997 season that we'll be talking about extensively. Mr. Tom Fly. Hey, how's it going? I'm good, man. You're joining us all the way from Texas. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I live in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah, I'm married uh, a few years ago, and um, yeah, why I'm over here. What's the weather like in Texas today? Uh, it's, it's pretty nice. Um, it's been raining a lot the last few days, but it hasn't been too much. Well, that's quite relief. But yeah, it's getting pretty hot. 
Oh, well, well, I'm sitting in 30 degree heat in London at the moment. Well, Kent, actually, I should say. So, yeah, I'm in my office, which is come, this is the first time I've had it in the summer, and it's a bit of a sweat box. So, tomorrow there will be fans included. But, yeah, the weather's gone a bit crazy. Hottest day of the year, and I'm recording in a sweat box for a podcast. But, hey, what, this is what we do. But Joel, you're outside by the sounds of it, are you? I've come back in now. Oh, okay. That uh, was what that commotion was. Guy banging out some 90s classics. I, I heard uh, Dre and Snoop Dogg, still Dre. Class, and California yeah. Love by Tupac was banging out this I thought I'm going to go me the year 2000 I just about to say that because I think it's on 2001 isn't it yeah. it's on that album awesome. and that came out in 2000 so yeah I think you're probably right but California Love's about okay. cool well before yeah. we get to talking today's subject which if we <laughs> I was thinking this earlier if we'd piece together all the 120 odd episodes of Live and Kicking this would probably be the episode because the amount of time we've mentioned this man on the show it probably would have been easier just to do just well i was thinking in the, in the first episode we did i did shout at brian dean for uh, brian dean yeah, the show. for making janino cry and then i think yeah i think in, if, if i've been in 75 percent of the what is it now 128 episodes something is like this? That, yeah, something like uh that. he's been mentioned every single episode yeah, at least once, yeah, definitely. And there's a review on iTunes that says there's this blog that won't shut up about Janino. Well, <laughs> no, if you something, mate, it is, this is not the episode of the podcast for yeah. you. Well, I think it's, we need to get it out of our system, isn't it? I mean, this is the episode. Let's just get it out, then maybe from now on we'll, we'll lessen the Janino mention. I just won't mention him, yeah. Yeah, we need to get it out of our system. It's taken a while, but we will. Um, before we get there, though, Tom, first of all, let's do the plug. Um, you recently released the book on the season tell us about the book where we can buy it give us the biggest plug of your life go on uh, yeah so um it's it's about the 96 97 season so um if you know if you know about Janino, that was kind of the season that made him um joel I'm, I'm pretty sure you were you were around all those games i i yeah, absolutely was season ticket that year went to most of the cup games and the away games and i think the only one i missed was the chesterfield replay but okay everything else i was at yeah yeah, it was just a, it was just a crazy season, and um, it was just, and it, it, you know, it was one. Of, I think it's one of the great Premier League stories. Um, and I, I was like a ten, ten years old football fan, you know, just getting into football, and it's just kind of it's a season that kind of like formed my love of the game. And I just felt um, a book needed to be written about it. So um, it's called uh, "You're Joking, Aren't You," uh, which is kind of, kind of a phrase from that year. Uh, it was Phil Stamp said it in a in the official song. Um, and it just, it just kind of sums up that kind of whole season because so many crazy things happened, like all the signings of Janino, Rabinelli, and then uh, the two cup finals. And like you're joking, aren't you? It was just kind of like the only thing you could really say to everything going on. Uh, yeah, so it came out in April, um, and uh, you can get it on Amazon online. I don't think it's in any shops yet. The publisher keeps telling me that they uh, haven't been able to get it in the shops yet, but, but hopefully now the shops are open, maybe you can get it in a shop. Once, be, uh, once Waterstones in Middlesbrough opens, you'll have to uh, <laughs> go and do the sign-in and all that, and you'll, you'll be all right. And yeah. I, I mean, I read the book, and I think, not just for Borough fans, but, I did, you know, obviously it's Middlesbrough-centric because it's about Borough, uh, but I think it's a really interesting tale about what happens when somebody tries to disrupt the big boys. Yeah, and I think and I think there's it's a kind of cautionary tale as well, and there's a couple of conclusions that you come to Tom in the book uh, that hadn't even crossed my mind uh, about why everything happened and why it didn't, and I'd never even put those two things together. I don't want to spoil the book, uh, but I just was like, yeah, you know, I think there's a bit of that. Although I also think there's not a bit of that, and we'll we'll get to that later on. But I just really enjoyed it. I thought 
it, it brought back loads of stuff that I'd completely forgotten about as well. Um, about, you know, you talk about the Wimbledon game at home, the nil-nil, and I remember that because I met Juninho two days after that. So that, oh, really? that was good. Yeah. <laughs> Outside the Purple Onion, he did kick oh, off with me and my me and my mate's kid, who was about eight at the time. So, oh, yeah. Really? But, yeah, I think, I, it's think... A really, I think it's a really enjoyable book, not just for the nostalgia reasons, not just if you're a Borough fan, but I think there is very much the David and Goliath story of what was going on and how dare this little club try to do this. Who do they think they are? Yeah, I think it's definitely like a moment in the in the league because, like, obviously, Man United were the biggest team, but the rest of the like the kind of big six hadn't been formed yet. You know, Arsenal were kind of in a weird. Wenger was coming in, but no one really knew what he was like. Uh, Newcastle come from were, Japan. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> and Middlesbrough were genuinely um, competing with like you know every team in Europe financially. So uh, it was just an interesting moment. Like you know, it was almost like the Premier League at that point was almost like the Wild West. No one really knew where it was going to go. And obviously, it turned into a into a, into chaos. But you know, you just wonder: you know, was it just a flash in the pan, or could Middlesbrough have, you know, come like a you know a genuine force? Well, I mean, it's I, I don't think there's anybody particularly up there. Maybe Leicester is possibly the nearest comparison now of where we potentially could have been. But obviously, that's a good 15, 16 years after what happened with Middlesbrough. So um, yeah, it's it's a really interesting thing. But we didn't help ourselves, but we also weren't helped but anyway you've got to answer ash's opening questions yeah well i'm, I'm just sitting here listening to the brother talk and actually enjoying it. and i was going to say as well that i haven't had the chance to, to actually read the book yet I've, I've had a scan and look at it. it looks great i do i do want to read it but having two children during lockdown gives you little little time but yeah, <laughs> I, I think it interests me as a fan of that obviously as that of that era i remember that season i loved you know, one of the reasons we're doing the show is not just because Joel's obviously very much part of the show and Janinia, but I loved him as well. I posted a Janinia on my wall next to my QPR one. So Janinia was a big thing for me as well. So I'm looking forward to reading um, reading the book as well. So as you say, I think, I think that's the I think that's the thing, Ash, is that it is it is this it's 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 okay okay, it's a month by month. And it's it's actually twelve is it twelve games that you pick out through the season? I can't remember now. Uh yeah, ten ten games. Ten games through the season. And so it reads like a just like a chronicle of those times, but obviously you go back in time to 1986 and you go back to, you know, mentions of stuff in the 70s. And then, you know, 1986 really looms large in the story. And that's all I'm going to say about that, but, which is, you know, the connection that I hadn't made. Um, but then obviously the match by match thing. And then what was going on around the club and around the country and the, and the reaction to everything. And then, you know, you've got this player who obviously we're going to talk about now who um, never gave up. Yeah, never going up. Yeah, well, we'll get to him in a minute. Firstly, that's um, we, we did these two in a row because we had Stu on last uh, episode who was a Villa fan. I mean, this is, again, it's going to be Borough, but we've taken a little caveat to the question this time. And so, Tom, other than Janinho, which I, I imagine would have been your first answer anyway, um, your favourite Borough player of the 90s? Um, I think my favourite Borough player was probably a big soft spot for Craig Ignat. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought he was. I thought he was a really underrated player. You know, he was really classy, kind of playmaker, um, and he he just kept being kind of like shoved to the side by Robson. I mean, he kept being brought back. Like when we got promoted, he kind of like got pushed to the sidelines, and then he came in, had a great preseason, got on the side. And then him and Barnby had this great partnership. And then Janino came in, and he got pushed to the side again. And then Janino and Barnby didn't really work. And then Barnby left, and Higgett came back in, and he was he was brilliant. Um, and I, I just thought he was always like really underrated. I think. Um, he, he, you know, he, he loved the club, and I interviewed him for the book as well. And 
he was just uh, he was just great to talk to and uh, yeah, I think he's my favourite player. I think he was on the show. No, quite. I, I was actually trying to think then was he on the show? But yes, I think we we've had him on the show quite early early days. Be in the archive. Um, um, so yeah, no, I agree. A, a top interview and somebody I think I read in an interview with Janino um, earlier today actually when I was doing a little background on, on the show that he he rated him. Janino really rated Craig Higney. Um, I think in an interview four four two somebody asked him who surprised him the most in training. I think it was Higney. He called it. He said his technique was really good. So it's not a better uh, endorsement than and the little fella uh, giving it from Craig Higney. Um, how about outside of uh, the borough then? Who would be who be a nineties player, Tom? Um. Uh, I mean, there's loads. I mean, I, 90s football, like, you know, I'm, I'm like you guys. I just like, it's just, you know, it's the golden age for me. I, mean, I, love, I love, there's so many Maverick players, but, um, like Tissier and, and Clasby, you know, even if they got, even if they got B, they'd still be the story. Like, I love those what players. You both are. You're not going to believe this, sorry. They're just showing football years 96, 97 on Sky. <laughs> <laughs> like it was meant to be. Yeah. Uh, I think I think my favourite player in '90. I, I, uh, I I've always loved Ian Wright. Um, yeah, I think he'd be my favourite. Just he, he just played the game and you know with so much love and uh, yeah, I, I always loved I love watching him play. How, how funny as well. We've done two player episodes um, during the live and kicking history. The, and the first one was Ian, Ian Wright, and this is on Janino. So you're all set, really, Tom. Um, <laughs> go go in the archive and listen to that one as well. Um, we will do more players. Chaz, wasn't it just before Christmas? Just yeah, right, Chaz has been in touch actually. He wants to come back on, so we're trying to find something that fits um, for Chaz. So we've got a friend of the show, Chaz Nicky Burden. Hello. Um, all right, let's get into it then. Um, it's 120 odd episodes in the making. I don't even know. Well, let's start at the beginning because that's a very good place to start. Somebody once said. Um, but I think one of the best things about the story of Janino and the why we all loved him is because the 90s, you had this well, see, vacuum of players we didn't know about. Like, you know, it's why you always go back to the tournament players like Skelachi, like Boborski, that because we didn't have the internet, because we didn't have social media or even the, the conglomerate of Sky Sports and all the channels and all the football we could watch, players used to come out of nowhere. And just be like, oh, well, who's this guy? And I think Janina kind of, you know, fits in that mold. I'll be honest, I knew nothing of him before he, he came to Middlesbrough. And even to the, even when I was doing research today, I, I was like, oh, he did this, he did that, and he did this. Um, so, oh, you know, I'll give the background. He he was, you know, his name's not even Janina, first of all, which I completely forgot. Go on, Joe, what's his real name? Osvaldo. Oh, I forgot his name. Osvaldo. <laughs> I should know this off by heart. Uh, hold on, it's coming, it's coming. Osvaldo Geraldo Jr. I just remember because it's. I remember because Geraldo Rivera, you know, the uh, American journalist who used to have a talk show like Sally Jesse Raphael. So that's how I always used to remember it, and that's how it just popped in my head. Now, yeah, Osvaldo Geraldo or Geraldo Jr. Yeah, yeah. also known as Janino Paulista because Janino yeah. Perembolco used to. So they, and they played together at one point. Um, mm. Vasco, yeah, Vasco de Gama, I think, or Flamengo, one of them. They played together later in, on in their careers, which, which was funny. Um, so pre Borough, he played for Sao Paulo, um, a big, obviously a big club in Brazil, won six trophies there, including the Intercontinental Contal Cup, don't say championship, in 1993, when they, <laughs> when they beat wrestling reference, when they beat AC Milan, of all people, um, and made his Brazil debut in 1995. Um, so he, he was well sought after. From what the research I've done, there were a lot of top clubs looking at him. Although he wasn't one of the big names in, the, in Brazilian football at the time, he was definitely bubbling under, um, one to watch. Um, but I think he had, wasn't there the game 
did the, I always say it's Latoon One. It isn't. It's the Umbro Cup, no, well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's what I was about to come on to. I think where he first came into sort of mainstream consciousness, uh, especially for people in this country, was the Umbro Cup, which I've got a little soft spot for. I think it's such a random '90s tournament as well. I went. It was my birthday. I remember I went to two of the games that always stands out for me because it was around my birthday, and that's where we first saw him. He scored in the final, in air quotes, final. Um, and set the other one up for Ronaldo. Um, Tom, is that where you first noticed Janino at all? Was it was it before, or was it when he came to Middlesbrough? Was, do you remember him at the Umbro Cup? Yeah, I remember the Umbro Cup. Yeah, I mean, I remember you know it being a big deal when Brazil came and played at Wembley. Um, interesting, you talk about like tournament player. He kind of was a tournament player in that tournament. Like that, that's yeah. kind of what announced himself. Um, and that, that was that seemed to be kind of like showcasing the next generation of the Brazil side. Uh, after the team that won the 94 World Cup. And he was definitely kind of pu- pushed as like, he was going to be the number 10 for Brazil in the future. Um, and he, he, he scored that free kick and, and yeah. he, was on, he was on free kick duty ahead of Roberto Carlos at that point. So, um, he was, and Carlos you know, was playing as well, wasn't he, that day? Because yeah. I remember them both being together and there was always talk later on of Carlos coming to Borough. Yeah. If we'd have stayed up. Well, yeah, think, uh, oh God, now he comes with Roberto, bloody Di Matteo. It's Juninho that gives away the ball as well. <laughs> Right, we'll get there, all right. <laughs> They've just shown it on the telly. Sorry, I'm really distracted by it. They've just shown loads of Leicester we'll players in Middlesbrough Jets as well. Yeah, well, I've got finished now. He's scored. He's running off Jaren. Tom, carry on before we were really interrupted. <laughs> um, so, and, uh, yeah, so I think that's um, so that's how I first became aware of how most people, I think, became aware of Juninho. And like I said, because we didn't have the uh, YouTube clips and all this sort of thing, that was all we kind of knew of him. Um, we knew he was, you know, this great player, potential great player for Brazil. So I guess your imagination kind of got carried away. So when he signed for Middlesbrough, um, you know, you, 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 it felt like you'd signed like this, you know, Brazilian superstar. And he, he was, but he hadn't, he hadn't actually seen anything except maybe that one or two games. Well, as we've spoke to uh, before, Joe, I mean, the key ingredient to all this is Brian Robson, because Brian Robson yeah. at the time was the assistant manager to Terry Venables, who, of course, was on the yeah. bench that day, um, and he took it upon himself to say, "Yeah, that's the guy for me." He went over to Brazil to talk to Janino. So, yeah, and the key element completely is is Brian Robson. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think I've said on here before that Brian Robson's the most important signing that Middlesbrough Football Club have ever made because without him, regardless of where we are now, nothing else would have happened, and especially not Janino. And the fact was that. Robson was so respected the world above us that he could go and get Ravenelli and sell him the project. He could go and get Janino. And what else had happened, and other clubs underestimated this totally, is Janino had a need to feel understood and, and part of something and part of the family, which is one of the reasons Arsenal failed in, in getting him, because um, they just assumed, you know, they'd go and wave some money and he'd come and that would be that. Whereas Borough yeah. went with uh, Keith Lamb and Brian Robson went over there, over there, over there, over there, and met with the family and met with everybody else and really made the effort that he was going to be the star of the team, he was going to be the star of the club, he's possibly probably going to be the star of the Premier League, which he was in that season. Um, and yeah, it's it, it, I, one of my worst memories in football um, is when is at the end of the well, was it two thousand two thousand and one season. Was that Robson's last season or was it 99-2000 was the end of Robson, I think, wasn't it? No, no it was, it was uh, 2000 yeah. 2000-2001 when Terry Venables came. Yeah. And and then I was at that last game when Robson got booed. And oh, I think it's still one of the most shameful things, uh, one of the most ungrateful, shameful things I've ever seen. And luckily it got kind of drowned, drowned out a bit. But 
Um, without right. Brian Robson, the club, as it is, or you know, more pertinently, as it was, it doesn't exist. It's not there. If he'd have gone to Wolves, it'd been completely different. Yeah, he kind of made the whole kind of project legitimate. Um, you know, because like most of these players had never heard of Middlesbrough, but they'd heard of Brian Robson, and he kind of um, he he made the whole thing seem like seem like it could happen. Well, it was also he. I mean, I know that he sold it to Ravinelli by comparing it to Palmer. In that it's just this unknown club who then went on to sort of massive success, yeah. uh, and they could start with a clean slate. And of course, at them in those days, not now, but we had Middlesbrough nineteen eighty six on the badge. So lots of people, and especially during the UEFA Cup runs as well, uh, lots of people from other clubs thought that the club had only been formed in nineteen eighty six. Yeah, I so, did, yeah, I went. I used to think that. Yeah, until I knew what you know more about football, I thought that as well. Mm-hmm. So there's so there's that aspect to it, but yeah, without anything, it, you know, it's Brian Robson that made everything then for you know for better or for worse. Yeah, I'm just looking at a couple of pictures of Janino from the Umbro Cup. There's him in the English in that England shirt. I don't know whose it was he swapped with, but um, it's massive, obviously, because he's what five foot five, I think he is. In yeah, which is yeah. in some way, um, which made, yeah, and that be that really nice red current England shirt they wore. And then next to it, I don't think like, it's from the Umbro Cup. It's that away kit that Brazil had at the time, the blue one. Oh, like kit pull yeah, in that one. Yeah. yeah. Oh gosh, gorgeous. Um, but yeah, Brian Robson, absolutely the key. So I mean, that set the sort of motion for Janino's arrival. He arrived for 4.75 million, age 22 uh, to Middlesbrough. That, I mean, Joe, we talked about your feelings on it when he arrived. Tom, what were your feelings? I mean, he came to this ridiculous press conference and um, uh, sort of out at the ground with 6,000, unveiling is the word I'm looking for, with 6,000 people turning up. There were dancing girls, a, a Brazilian family met him at the airport. I mean, Robson yeah. broke all out. Um, with the pageantry, but how did you feel seeing this new superstar arrive at Borough? Right. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was just incredible. I mean, like, when he arrived at the airport, it was like, you know, it was like Pope visiting or like the Beatles in the 60s. Like, the airport was just packed. And it, it, was, it, was just, it was just crazy. And my, uh, my dad, he, he's, my parents both came from London and they weren't big football fans, but they kind of got, got swept away with um, the Brian, when Brian Robson came and that whole thing. Uh, so we, we were going to games, but when Janino came, my dad was just like, right, I'm doing it. And he, he joined the Lions to, to get a season ticket. We, we got a season ticket because Janino arrived. And we, we kept it for like 10 years. But there was, there was just like, I, the, I can remember just being a buzz about the, the town. It was just, um, it was incredible. And, it, and it, 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 took, it took forever for the deal to go through. I remember them talking about it for like two or three months. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure the rumors started after the rim broke up. Um, and it was just one of those things where you didn't, you didn't really know if it was going to happen or not. Um, but when he so when he arrived, it was just um, it, was, it was just incredible. Joe, you were there. Is that the story? Do I remember rightly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. I'd been. I was going to college. College at Longlands College in Middlesbrough, which, which is about a ten-minute walk from the stadium. So we just bunked out of our lessons and uh, went and got given uh, form cell net pointy fingers and. Uh, <laughs> There was, was a really half-assed sort of samba band there, and there was all these girls and everything. <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, six thousand people there on a on a Tuesday morning at like eleven o'clock. It must have been. That's what it is in my head. That might be wrong, but um, yeah. And it was it was just like, God, oh, let's go and see him. And it, and you know, again, this is pre-internet, pre everything else. So how it got out that it was happening, I'm not entirely sure. But um, yeah, we were there and went and welcomed welcomed in and everything. And then it was um, off to the races we went. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that stands out and why we're doing this show about Janino is like because he was only in this first period there for two seasons, and then he came once he came back in '99 for the first time. 
but it's how he kind of took to Middlesbrough. Like he became part. He didn't seem to struggle with obviously a very different place than where he was from in terms of even in England. Obviously, the North South divide is very different. Um, there's a great quote actually I found from Gino about Middlesbrough and the food. He says the food was very different to Brazil. It's the seasoning. The chicken, for example, was very pale. The pasta wasn't seasoned, and those sweet beans. Baked beans, I think they were called. Yes, I ended up adoring them, and I always ordered them. So, you know, he got there in the end with, with baked beans and pound chicken. But it's, it's just the way he took it to his heart. Um, and he, he meets, as you say, he was away at the races. He set up a goal for Yano, I thought, off in a 1-1 draw on his debut. Um, Leeds, yes, as well. Like, well, I mean, it only could have been better if it had been Newcastle or Sunderland, you know. Yeah. Um, and it was an incredible ball. You can go and look at it on YouTube. And it's a ball. We, it was right in front of us because we were, we were sitting near that end. And I just remember seeing him do it, and I was like, nobody... Were you at that game, Tom? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I remember that. thinking, nobody in the stadium could have seen that pass. No. And he just, and then there was loads still for Fjortov to do, and he, he, Fjortov kind of dinks it over Don Lukic, who's just advancing on him. Um, but it's, it's an incredible piece of... It's, it's just a great football move. And what I always remember is Jan Fjortov running towards Janino and just pointing at him over and over and over again. Yeah. Like, as if, as if you go, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He Somebody even passed the ball, thank you. <laughs> well, well, yeah, but he, he, well, he had quite a good relationship with Barmby and uh, Barmby and Hignett as well. You know, they'd, they'd created the little midget gems thing up front, you know, with the three of them that worked really well. Um, and, they, and they were really good. And Janino came and affected all that. And you talk about it in the book, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, as... I just like go back to what you were saying, Joel, about how you know Janini arrived. You know, it was it was more it was more than the money. He wanted to kind of like he really bought into the project that Robson was selling, and, and I think that that kind of helped form that bond with the Borough fans from the beginning. The fact that he brought his family as well. Yeah, and I, I think you know it, it 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 was more than just the money. I think when you look at the, some of the other players we signed, like Branco and even Ravanelli, you know, it, the money was basically what was driving all that. But Janini was it was more than that, and I think the fans always f- felt. A connection to that, like you know, Janinho had chosen us over all these other clubs he could have gone to, and that kind of thought, that kind of formed that bond. Uh, and I think, I think that's what made the whole kind of event special. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I, it did take Janinho a little bit of time to kind of integrate tactically into the into the Borough side. I mean, I know the people were saying that he was too small, he wouldn't be able to cut it physically, but I mean, he had absolutely no problem with that. I think in Brazil, yeah. he was getting kicked around, around the pitch. Um, but it, it took a bit of time. And it wasn't it wasn't really until the next season when Bambi left, but Janinho was given the kind of sole playmaking duty that he really thrived. Um, that's for anyone listening to this who, who doesn't really know who's a bit younger, who doesn't remember Janinho in terms of it week in week out. Who Tom would you compare him to the way you play? I mean, for me, the way he used to burst from midfield is unlike sort of midfielders at the time. Who would you compare him to in sort of modern day football? Um. I mean, I think if he was playing now, he 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 would be in that kind of like David Silver role. Yeah, uh, I think he would. He, you know, he was he was just, he just buzzed about the pitch. I mean, he was like he was like a wasp. You know, he was just everywhere, and he was you know he'd take on players, and it, 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 his passing was brilliant. Um, in terms of like a, a free role, I mean, it's just you, players that players these days don't get don't get a role like that. You know, he he could literally go wherever he wanted in the pitch, pick up the ball, and uh, make things happen. Uh, yeah, I think David Silver, maybe Tino as well. Yes. Yeah, but there isn't anybody of that size, though. Is that I mean, well, five, yeah, five. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and so you think about it like size wise, you know, I don't think really think there's been kind of anybody since in, in, in that mold, certainly in terms of his height, uh, and just his dribbling skill as well. I mean, I'd, 
I can't recall seeing anybody particularly coming close to the way he could dribble and just and take on his man. And he just had every single trick in the world. And because he wasn't particularly, although he could be fast, he wasn't. He wasn't over relying 10 yards, on his past, speed. I don't think he was a speedy player, but over ten yards, he could carry the ball. But I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah he, he was he was fast, but that wasn't his game. Yeah, his game was his dribbling and his array of passing and and his heart. I think they're the three things I would say that the, were the thing were the things that you would really associate with him. And the fact that he never ever ever gave up is along with along with his sort of fondness of the town. But that's the thing that endears him most to Borough fans, I think, and that's why people remember him. Well, there's the great images of him because like, I've, we've, I've seen in the past like working for a book magazine and I have to do searches on photo agencies you just get these random pictures every now and then I think we've posted them on the Twitter feed there's him and Emerson at a some factory I can't remember what the factory is oh, now they've gone, haven't they gone to the oh, oh, they've gone, they've gone, they've gone, it's uh, Burberry is it but, yeah I think it's Burberry yeah they've gone yeah. to Burberry factory yeah it's really it's weird it's I, don't, really I don't know weird, why they went there yeah I don't know either and there's also this photo like you say his family there's pictures of his family in Middlesbrough there's a great picture of him lying on a sofa I think it is just really candid shots of the players that you never get well they put him Borough put him up in Ingleby Barwick as well which is very I mean non-colloquially colloquially even as Spamland and Toy Town locally because it's you know it's very much suburbia outside of Middlesbrough probably about 10 miles outside very suburban pretty much all new build it's probably all been built in the last 40 years so, you know, it's, it's all very good life, 2.4 children, you know, so they put him up there. And there was always the tales of him going outside and playing football with the kids or like kids would go and knock on the door and like get autographs and then sell them at school the next day and things like that. And he was always doing that, which you just can't even imagine getting anywhere near anybody, no. <laughs> now, no. let alone putting them on, you know, in a nice, a nice looking area of the town. But they'd have them out in like Winyard or somewhere extra posh now. Um, yeah, I mean, but that's that's the thing with him. It's just it's the heart more than anything, I think, and and, and the love of the area. Because most people don't love the area, and that's probably fair. <laughs> you know, I think it's fair not to if you don't think the area is beautiful. Lots of parts of it are. Lots of parts of it, parts of it are very ugly, and we're used to getting browbeaten about it. I think when you're from Middlesbrough, you're used to hearing how garbage it is and how awful it is and how ugly it is. And yet you had this superstar who came along and said, "Oh well, I like it here." Yeah. That's true. I think, yeah. I think I think I think one other thing about that about what that transfer meant is that at the Premier League at that point, a lot of um, obviously there a lot of foreign stars coming into the league. But if, if you actually look at the players that are coming in, uh, like like Cantona was basically kind of ostracised from France. You know, he, um, Bergkamp was kind of a, he went to the Inter and he was kind of a flop. Uh, Zola couldn't get in the Palmer team, and even even Klinsman was kind of only was like in his thirties when he signed. Yeah, yeah, it was either people at the end of their career or like Marco Bugas, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, so Janino was was like he felt like he was the first player who was actually on the up. He was coming into the league, so it was like it was, he was like the first you know superstar of the future almost that the Premier League was getting. Now we're about to delve straight into 96, 97. Now we have done a show. Joe, we did this season, didn't we? I think it was you and some, I can't remember who else was on the show. Apologies. Yeah, that, we did. Yeah, but, we did, we did um, the season. We, we did season by season, guys. So instead of going through the season, I thought we'd just pick out the Janino highlights, really, in the season where he was runner-up to Zola for Football Writers um, Player of the Year. Um, 
lots of memory to me. If you could, he I won mean, Player I, of the Year, didn't he? he won Premier League. Premier League, yeah, I saw that today, which I didn't realise because I didn't think that was a thing then. I thought that was I a later. Think, thing. I don't think it is a thing now, but he won Premier League Player of the Year. Yeah, yeah. which is you know when you think considering that season, that's a that's a massive uh, honour and how good he was. Um, but that's you know the, the highlight I always remember in Joel. We've talked about this a lot on here. The Chelsea diving header towards the end of the season, which is a it's a great great goal. The, the build up with him and Mikkel Beg is just it's just amazing. Um, Tom, pick out some highlights. Some. Um, because obviously you know the narrative of the season, and I don't want to spoil too much of your book as well, uh, where it ended in disaster. But what are the highlights for you from Janina that season? Uh, yeah, but that that Chelsea goal—that's probably my favourite goal, Middlesbrough goal like, of all time. Was, Yay! Same, we're, we're the same, you say. Yeah. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, nah, yeah, I absolutely love that. Um, I think um, in the like well, I was talking about how he was kind of like struggling to get in the side, uh, struggling to kind of integrate into the side. Um, Robson didn't really know how to get the best out of him. The game which kind of changed things was, um, I think, the Newcastle game in the last 16 of the Coca-Cola Cup. Um, Bambi had left and Juninho went into that kind of like number 10 role and he just absolutely ripped apart Newcastle. Uh, Newcastle were top of the league at that point and they, played, they were playing a full-strength team and Juninho just ran rings around them. Um, and, uh, it was a Wednesday night game, wasn't it, at the, the Riverside? Yeah. And it was, it, was, it was one of those crazy nights. We, we hadn't won in... 10 games, uh, Emerson had gone missing, and this was the game, Emerson came back for one game and then disappeared again, so um, there's this one night in the middle of this awful run of like three months without a win, where we just absolutely destroyed the best team in the, in the league, and Giannino was just uh, incredible that night, um, and then I think uh, the sad thing is that he got injured the next game, so he, uh, he ended up um, hurting his ankle in the, the next game, so he was out for a month, if he, if he kept going for after that game, and I reckon we would have we would have been fine. We would have stayed up fine, but because he, we, because we lost him at that for a month, um, we didn't win again for a, for another ten games or something. Um, but then um, that, that run in March, that, that Chelsea goal came in a run in March where we won four games, and he he absolutely just destroyed Leicester at Filbert Street. Um, oh, Dom, this is the burn of my life. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, it's it's one of those things because it was one of the best performances of, that he ever did but because of that that's what Mark, that gave Martin O'Neill the idea to to have him man marked in the cup final so um, it's a good job Matthew isn't on because he'd just be going punches come out he's a bad word on this podcast yeah, yeah. yeah but, but, but he was absolutely brilliant that game as well um, so yeah that, that run I mean it was just it was uh, I, for the book I read an um, autobiography with uh, Sunderland Defender um I've forgotten his name now. I think it was Lee Howie. Um, All right, yeah. Yeah, and he, he was just, he was talking yeah. and he, he described him as being like, it felt like there was two of them on the pitch, like those two geniuses on the pitch. So that's what it felt like playing against him because he was just everywhere, just all over the pitch. And there was that run in, uh, towards the end of the season where he was just, he was just incredible. Joe, I mean, other than the Chelsea goal, I mean, I always love the picture of him and, and Philippe Albert from that season as well, which is just the brilliant. Telling him off. Yeah, yeah and I found it yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, happened... Again, that's, that's down to his heart and how much he cared and the fact that he wasn't going to let he wasn't gonna let himself be pushed around. Um, yeah, I, I mean, always, 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 did we demolish, like, Derby? Did he play in that one? I'm just trying yeah, to think. Did. Yeah, the six, was that the 6-1? Yeah, yeah, he yeah. set up, like, program, yeah. Yeah, so th- that's the that's the big one. The Chelsea goal I just rave about all the time. But um, yeah, and and as you said, Leicester, you know that was just a quirk of the fixtures list that kind of resulted in disaster, really. Because I think if we'd have won the League Cup, then you don't know what might have happened. But obviously, after both the League Cup games, the final games against Leicester, the the original game and the replay, we lost after both those games, and you don't know 
it kind of what happens if we win, you know, and we were, and the fact that Middlesbrough were only three ways, three minutes away from it in the, uh, in the, in the final, in extra time from winning the game. Um, yeah. But I mean, in, in, in those games as well, the, the, especially the game, um, the first game against Leicester at Wembley, I remember Janino and Emerson being absolutely amazing that day. Emerson, it was, probably his best game for us uh, in just the fact that he just never gave up never gave up gave, never gave up and Emerson sometimes seemed to have telescopic legs where he could he could just stretch and just win a ball from somebody that he had no right of doing so but he also had skill attached to him as well but of course he didn't have the temperament or the or the attitude that um, that Janino had I think whereas Janino knew how much it meant to everybody and and what it would mean to the town and and and, and the the club and the fans again so yeah, but just you know, I just can't go. I can't get away from the Chelsea goal. I mean, it's just he just skips past two men, fires the ball out to the left for Micklebeck, and then Micklebeck crosses in, and Janino scores a diving header, which he yeah. just connects with it perfectly. And I think that put us was that for, it was a one nil game, wasn't it? We, I think we won yeah, it was the winner. Yeah, one nil. Yeah, and it was a it was a Saturday afternoon, and it was cold, but it was fun. And the crowd were up for it, raucous and, and going mad. And and that's the one that I can never see past, really. I think that goal absolutely epitomises his heart, his drive, his desire and his skill. Um, you know, it's everything. It's it's a, it's a load, it's dribbling past men, it's sending out a good ball and then it's driving to get on the end of it. And and that's the one that always stands out for me. There was a goal he scored against uh, Man United at Old Trafford. Yeah, um, in that kit, yeah. Yeah, in, in, yeah, the kit that we never won in, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that kind of that sums up Janino because if you watch that goal, the, the move starts in the midfield. I think Emerson's got the ball, and you can see Janino, he's just like pointing like where who to pass to. Like, mm. He's literally telling the players, like, you pass to him, you pass to him. And he gets the, every time he gets the ball, he passes to someone, he gets it back. I, mean, I yeah. think he does like three, just like three one twos with players, and then he gets the ball one on one with Schmeichel and passes it into him. It just I mean, passes it into the far corner, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah it's really good. And also, it, which isn't a Janino goal, but it's a passage of play against Wimbledon. And you talk about this game. You talk yeah, about the that. two goals that season against Wimbledon, which are really important, like the nil nil where, which I'd completely forgotten about this, but Nigel Pearson getting injured. Um, in the in the nil nil and, and he injured his neck, didn't he? Which I had completely gone out of my head, and I don't even know why. Um, but the fact that that was a boring nil nil on a Wednesday night, but Pearson had, you know, that was caused a load of problems for us after that. Yeah. And then the Wimbledon game away, where Robson says it was just where it all came together. And all right, it's Wimbledon away on a Tuesday night or whatever it is. But the the goal that Musto scores, to, uh, it's a one all, isn't it? The game yeah. that one, I think. Yeah, um, and it's yeah. um, it, just flicks and tricks all over the place from Janino going to stamp, going across goal, and, and it's Janino beat his man, and, and and that's another one that's really worth sort of digging out and having a look at. And that was one of the days where they said it just all clicked and everybody knew exactly what was going on. Yeah. Uh, and just, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No, go on. I was talking to Hignett because Hignett had that great partnership with Barnby, and he was I was talking to him about it, and he was saying that like, oh yeah, me and me and Barnby, we, we almost had like a telepathic um, like understanding, like we just we just gelled so well together. I've been asked him about his partnership with Janino, and he said, "Wow, well, if I got the ball, I just gave it to Janino. That's, mm. that's all." It but it's like you say, he was allowed to do whatever he, he wanted to do, you know, especially when, when Barbie went and it freed things up. And, and you would see him, you know, you'd see him tracking back and defending mm. as well as as well as being up front. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it, you know, I just, it, again, it's like one of those things where you can't believe that, 
he actually turned up. <laughs> it's like, did we dream that? No, we didn't. I forgot on that he scored the goal on the last day against Leeds as well. I, 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 earlier, I was actually forgot he scored the goal in that game, and we mm-hmm. all remember the image of him sitting on the floor crying, and we, you know, we lambasted Brian Dean for that. But I forgot that he scored the goal, and that's actually quite a decent um, goal as well. Um, obviously, his first stint in Middlesbrough came to an end at the end of the season. What with the relegation, he he was worried about his place. Yeah, there's a few. <laughs> This is a few, well, yeah, what happened was, I mean, there's sort of a few bits of sour grapes as well at home. I'm looking at a picture now of the bus ride going through Middlesbrough. Have I sent you this picture before, Ash? No, I don't think so. I'll send it to you to tell me. To, I'm st- standing on top, if, and if you know it, people in Middlesbrough, I'm standing on top of the awning outside Royal Bank of Scotland in Middlesbrough. And the bus yeah. went past, and you can see, in this picture, I can see Philip Stamp. I can see Nigel Pearson waving at us and giving us a thumbs up. I can see Derek White. I can see... Keith Lamb, uh, Craig Hignett, obviously, there's Emerson, um, Craig Liddles there. So it, so they came, but Janino wasn't at this bus, um, at this bus parade, you know, for getting relegated and losing two cup finals. And and there's a lot of people that hold that against him still now, you know. I, you talk about... Sorry, yeah, go on. I, I didn't, I didn't realise he wasn't on that bus. Yeah, he wasn't there. All right. Apparently, like the sort of it already started the talk of Atletico Madrid, or there was talk of Manchester United as well. But what else happened? He says Liverpool was, as well. He said Liverpool was quite interesting. Yeah, Liverpool. Yeah, and I know Tottenham were hanging about as well. Um, but what yeah. happened to distract from all that on the days that Cantona retired? Yeah, that yeah, day. Because Fer- Ferguson loved him. I think Ferguson was he was thinking that he might be a replacement for Cantona. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I wonder why they didn't go for it. Maybe it was, they didn't want to sell to, a, a, to an English club, did they? From what I put in the money, I think nobody was offering as much money as Atletico Madrid that I season. I seem to remember Spurs offering £12 million at one point, and then, but that acted as the catalyst to get Atletico Madrid involved. And I'm sure, there was, I'm sure there was a bit of sort of, can you bid, he won't go to you, can you just do us a favour? I'm sure there was a bit of that going on. Uh, just uh, to get this ball rolling with Atletico Madrid. That was the rumour I heard at the time. Whether it's true or not, who knows? But uh, but yeah, well, didn't work out for him. Did it, uh, Atletico? I mean, he we broke his he, he broke his ankle. Michael, didn't he quite yeah, early. Saldado, um, not, you know, lately at Blackburn, he would uh, yeah, he broke his ankle in uh, in yeah. the challenge, which meant he missed the 1998 World Cup as well, which is kind of what his reasoning for leaving Middlesbrough and, uh, to secure that place. Which is which uh, you know what though as well. I, I mean, and, and again, this goes back to how loved he was. In that, you know, a few people were annoyed and shaking the fists and everything about it. But most people were like, well, he's got to go and get somewhere to get to the World Cup. And he's not going to get that in that team, is he? Yeah. Um, you know, I I, so he went off with everybody's best wishes. Whereas when Ravinelli left, he didn't. And when Emerson eventually left, he didn't either. And when Merson left, he definitely didn't. No. So, you know, it's... Um, I mean, Merson's a different story, but... Um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that he went off with the majority of fans, not all by any stretch of the imagination, because there's lots that were upset with him for, you know, if he loves the club that much, how come he isn't staying? Well, come on, if you're sensible about it, you'll understand. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, but then, yeah, Atletico Madrid. And uh, unfortunately, I mean, I remember my friend, my best mate, bought an Atletico Madrid shirt from the <laughs> Borough Club shop with, <laughs> with his name on the back because they were, and they sold out with these Atletico kits straight away. And nice people were wearing the matches. People were wearing the, the matches, even though they were red and white vertical stripes. Now yeah. imagine that. <laughs> he did. I mean, go on, Tom. So I, was gonna say, I think he was. Um, I think he was pretty open. Uh, I think Zagallo, the Brazil manager, had said to him 
like early on, like when we were in trouble, he said, you know, if you want to get picked for the World Cup, you need to play in a top league. So I think Janino yeah. was open. Like if we, if we do go down, then I'm leaving. So I think that, that that's kind of what made all the images of the Leeds game. You know, him on the pitch, like in tears, heartbreaking because everyone knew. Because like, Ravinelli and Emerson kind of hung around for a while, and it was almost like I think Ravinelli got an equaliser against Charlton and then buggered yeah. off to uh, Marseille. And I think did Emerson stay until about October, November, or something? He had a, he's got a yeah. walloper against Sunderland. Um, I remember that that, that bus top, you, uh, that bus um, thing you talked about. I remember Vic being that as well. I, I remember Ravinelli kind of like saying, "I'm staying," and I think yeah, he, I think <laughs> and Emerson them. did as well. I stay, I stay. Yeah, like I can remember like thinking like. You know, the atmosphere was kind of like, oh, do we do we actually want you to stay? Like, is it worth? Yeah, it? everyone was like, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, and and then and then of course we go on and we get um, we we bring in Merson who was just absolutely outstanding. <laughs> He's still one of my favourites, even though you know everything that happened when he left to go to Villa and and basically the way he is now. And he's, there's talk of him playing this game. Um, yeah, there's going to be a game at Middlesbrough and Ash that we're going to try to get to. Yeah, because involved in that, isn't he? He's organising it. Yeah, Micklebeck's yeah. organised the game that's going to be the 1996-97 team against the uh, 2002 League Cup winning team, which I think is sort of quite cool and interesting. And everybody's saying they're going to be there um, from Janino and, and, and Micklebeck on downwards through Merson, uh, Ravinelli, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And everybody says they're going to do it, you know. And, and then that second... Are going to be there? Well, 2002 team, I would imagine so, yeah. Um, and obviously they said, and Bodefin Zenden said, and, and Boateng said, and, and that kind of, that next wave team, they said they're going to be there. So this is a coronavirus, a, a game that's going to raise money for yeah. the NHS, for coronavirus that Micklebeck has set up. And uh, yeah, Janino's going to be there for that, which is the first time he'll have been at the ground in about six years, I think. Well, before we go, let's have a quick word on his return. So he came back for a brief loan spell in 1999 because we we stopped there on this podcast. Uh, Tom, any kind of, I think it's his less lauded spell at the Riverside, isn't it? Any kind of moments from that sort of small return in 1990,000 you can remember? Yeah, because uh, that injury he had um, in 98, so this was like a year later. I remember, um, I mean, he, he wasn't he wasn't the same player. Uh, I think he played like 24 games. I think he scored four goals, um, and you could tell he, he just lost a little bit of pace. And I think he he, he did he, he did kind of get that back. And by, by the time he came back for his third spell, he, he was he was much more he was a much better player. But I, I can't it, even think it, he wasn't the same. I can't, I can't really think of anything that really stood out about that season. That mm. No, but the, I remember the third t- the third time was. He'd not only got that bit. I mean, he'd basically come back to Borough for rehabilitation, hadn't yeah. he? So he could get himself right, and it was it was a good place for him to come. We were doing reasonably well, um, so it was a good place for him to come. But then he says the third time, obviously, he'd not totally changed his game, but he'd become more complete, I suppose, mm. um, and not just having to rely on the dribbling or beating his man all the time. He, he, his game was a lot more intelligent, and he became a more complete midfield player I think then and of course then we win the League Cup which was the one thing that he wanted to do and God bless him whether this is true or whether this is this is false but he says that winning the League Cup with Borough in, in 2002 was meant more win than winning the World Cup with Brazil yeah. now take that as you will you know and, and, he, and, he, and he said you know what I mean that he said that that was the case but you know I mean if it is a lie it's a good lie and it's a lie that we all wanted to hear yeah it would do <laughs> you know? yeah it definitely do um, um, but yeah, I mean, but just I, I always think Middlesbrough. I think the, the Evening Gazette, which is the newspaper at home, they did a 
they did a thing of oh god probably about 15 years ago now where they did vote for your best borough player and i think graham sooners won <laughs> over Janino. and i remember going ah oh, that's just uh and he's a good phrase that's just typical borough that just yeah. cutting off your nose to spite your bloody yeah. face graham sooners isn't as good as Jan- and, and graham sooners buggered off to liverpool as soon as he could you know what i mean yeah. It, it, it was just, there's no comparison. Or you would say Wolf Mannion probably is the third, or George Hardwick, or somebody. You know, if you, if you, and then Mowbray probably is a top five. But for me, I was just like, that is just typical stubborn, pig-headed, yeah, the fans, and of, of which I include myself. Yeah, you know I mean, <laughs> just to vote for somebody else just because they thought everybody else was going to vote for Janino. Um So yeah, I think, I think when you talk about how he changed as a player, because in that in that World Cup in 2002. Um, he re- he replaced Emerson in midfield. Uh, Emerson like broke his arm playing in goal in training or something. I think well, that's not, that's not. <laughs> that's uh, very gascoiny. Well, I broke I broke my wrist playing in goal in five aside once. <laughs> um, so, but so Janine was kind of he was kind of playing in the kind of like a pivot, you know, almost like a deep deep line play role because up, up front they had uh, Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, Rivaldo. So that, that, all the attacking intent was there. Um, so Junior, so Junior, it kind of evolved into this kind of like um, you know passing midfielder, and he, I think he played all the group matches, and then he played in the last sixteen. Um, but then I think um, in the quarterfinal against England, Scolari dropped him for Cleverson. He thought mm-hmm. Cleverson would be better. To, he'd be better to compete with like the hardworking. Physical <laughs> I mean, that's that's just a ludicrous it, decision, yeah, isn't it? Really, when you think about it. Yeah, because Junior, you know, he was the Premier League Player of the Year, but Cleverson was a complete flop in England. It's funny. Mm. But um, but so so Juninho missed out on the quarterfinal and the semifinal, but he did get on the pitch in the World Cup final. Uh, he came he came on played the last ten minutes, I think. Mm. Um, it, was, it was enough time. There's a great photo of him where he's um, he's he's dribbling past two, two German players, and both German players have just collapsed on the floor. Uh, <laughs> I'll find that. I'll definitely put that on there when I put the episode description up for sure. Um, yeah. Okay, that was that was good. Look back on Juninho, obviously to tie a little bow on his career. He obviously after Middlesbrough went to Vasco de Lama for the Mengo, came back to Middlesbrough. Always uh, forget his brief spell in Scotland with Celtic. Celtic um, for a bit, yeah not, yeah, not particularly popular, unfortunately. No, I think it was, you know, towards the end of his career. Then he went to Brazil with Panamas before he finished his career in Sydney. Um, John, we haven't mentioned... He was, uh, was also a question on uh, Impossible a couple of months ago, which I have got the screenshot of, so I'll send you that. Definitely. Um, which, which Brazilian World Cup winning forward played for both Middlesbrough and Celtic? Oh, no. Ah. That, that the Celtic would, would probably throw you off if you don't if you didn't remember as well. That was good. Mm. Um, Joe, we haven't mentioned the diving header miss as well. We have to quickly mention that before we go, which is because <laughs> we mentioned it about a million were times. You, were you at the Chesterfield game, Tom? Oh, I was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, it, it, I, it, I still think. And they showed it right when lockdown started on uh, the BBC. And people were ringing me, going, "Are you watching? Are you watching?" And there's yeah. again, there was loads of stuff I'd forgotten about that, but. Uh, Obviously, when um, when he misses the diving header and falls, falls flat on his face, yeah. but, and then Fester just calmly gathers it and strokes it in for three-two. Uh, yeah. That was we were, and that was our end as well. We were we were in that end, and it, that was just bedlam. That and and still, when Ravenelli scored against Leicester, it's just I've got friends who say they can't remember because they're just blacked out with the ecstasy and the madness of it all, and how nuts everybody was going. But yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think that almost sort of sums him up is you know tried for a head for a ball that was about a good what 18 inches above his head uh, yeah, <laughs> to, to try and the way that the way that fester controlled it by the way oh, I I know. Struck it in. but yeah um I, I mean i think if you want to look at the comical side of it then 
yeah, that's a, that's another thing. But just just wonderful. And you can go and watch like little ten minutes. You know, nobody who's listening to this hasn't seen Janino play. But if you just just go and make yourself happy and watch like a ten minute. A ten-minute highlight reel of. I did it this morning, and it made me feel better. Um, yeah, it makes you it makes you feel happy when you go and watch it, and and just and just what a wonderful player with a wonderful heart, and still cares about the club. And I think he came back. In fact, I know he came back because I was there. Um, Two thousand and ten for a game against PSB, I think. And I know that because I was DJing at the Borough then. <laughs> oh really? Wow. For my six-game run as uh, in-house DJ, yeah, yeah. Uh, before nice. me and Mike got me and Mike got fired, yeah. <laughs> um, and and just yeah, and and it, it's the heart though. It's the skill combined with the heart, combined with the it, combined with the the love for the people in the area, and that's what he should be remembered for for us. And I think if he had played and shown the same attitude towards, like if he decided for Arsenal and being the same, he'd be thought of in the same way. I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, that's uh, just finished by plugging the book once again, Tom. So just tell us what, you know, it's available at all good bookstores. Um, and yeah, and tell once us where they open, people, hopefully. Yeah, once they open. And I've seen it on Waterstones and Amazon. And where can people follow you on, on Twitter? Uh, yeah, so um, yeah, the book's called You're Joking, Aren't You? Um, it's available on Amazon. I think you can buy it online at Waterstones if you don't like Amazon. I know some people don't. Um, um, yeah, on Twitter, um, at Tom Flight, I think. Yeah, at Tom Flight. <laughs> Um, he is at Tom Flight, yeah. Yeah, and Joe, where are you in the social world right now? Well, I'm not, I'm not anywhere because I've been kicked off Twitter for once and for good. Um, it, 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 I tell you what has annoyed me. They, they kicked me off like three times before they kicked off uh, Katie Hopkins. Yeah. So that's like kind of, you know, a bit messed up. So now I'm just like, you know what? I'm not there. I've no plans on going back. They won't let me back anyway. Uh, fine. If you want to come talk to me, uh, it's at Jolino on Facebook. Wow. Uh, and uh, underscore yes that Joel on Instagram. Uh, we hadn't mentioned that the fact that you used to sign your name Jolino. We must have mentioned used that. Used to sign my name. Yeah, used to sign my name. Oh, I still do sign my name Jolino, which is a bit ridiculous, really. Uh, but yes, that is that is true. It's just it's just developed through time. But I still get it sometimes as well when I go home. So he's Jolino because I used to, you know, me being an arrogant 19, 20 year old, I I took the mantle upon myself. <laughs> To name myself after the greatest player the football club has ever seen. So yes, yeah, so I still do Simon and Jolie. Play the playground. I, I invented myself as a Brazilian footballer once, but I can't remember what I used. To, I think I was like Rosinha or something. Rosinho. Like that. It's something like that. I can't remember. But yeah, when when I was going through my Brazil phase after the Rosita football. is a it was a wrestler in TNA, and I think it's that Selena Vega in WWE. Yeah, could be. Well done. Yeah. It's one for good. Pull that out. Yeah, another wrestling reference. Anyway, more importantly, follow the show at AK90s on Instagram and AK90s Pod on Twitter. Actually, the other way around, but you do know, you, you do know by now. <laughs> it's a hot day and my brain is frazzled. I'm sweating. I need to get out of this sweat box. Um, thank you very much, guys, um, for that memory de- walk down memory lane of Janino. Uh, we'll be back soon talking more players, more 90s nonsense, and everything else you come to expect from Alive and Kicking. I've been Ash Rose. This has been Alive and Kicking. Keep it 90s. Alive and Kicking.